The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Andrew Martin. I serve as a youth pastor here at Christ the King. And it's my privilege to welcome you to our service this morning. And I would like to, to say you know, happy Father's Day. I do know that uh, there are many things that we can rejoice in as we see how God uses many fathers to reflect his goodness uh, into the world. I also just want to acknowledge, too, though, that for many of us, I know that on Father's Day, uh, rather than feeling feelings of joy, we can also feel sadness. Um, maybe we would like to be a dad and are not, or we think about our relationship with our kids and they're not the way we would like them to be. Or maybe uh, we're thinking about our own dads and maybe there was a lot of brokenness in those relationships. Or maybe there was a good relationship, but, but now they're not with us anymore and, and we miss them. Uh, and if that is the case, I just want to tell you, we, we love you very much. Um, and I would just encourage you to, to not carry that burden alone. Uh, the beautiful thing about the kind of community Jesus is creating uh, is that it's a family. It's a family where we can rejoice with one another in our happiness but we can also uh, carry our burdens together. Uh, so if, if you are carrying sadness today, I'd encourage you, talk with a pastor, talk with an elder, talk with a community group leader, talk with a friend who you know loves and cares for you, and, uh, and allow us to enter into that with you. And that, and that is actually what we're going to be talking about this morning, is what, what kind of community is Jesus creating? Uh, he not only creates a community where we bear one another's burdens, he, he does many other more beautiful things. And we're going to see that in Romans 16 this morning. So please turn with me there to Romans chapter 16. And uh, this will be, uh, we've been going through the book of Romans. This is the second to last uh, message we're going to do in the book of Romans. Uh, next week we'll, we'll see the final three verses. Uh, but this morning as we look at verses 1 through 23, again we're asking, what kind of community is King Jesus creating? So please follow along with me as we read in verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphana and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus who, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. 
For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greets you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, that you have given us your word. Uh, thank you uh, that you are creating a beautiful community uh, with you, Jesus, at the very center. And we ask that you would help us to, to see that more clearly, to love it more dearly, and to reflect that more and more as you shape our hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like many of you, I imagine I will never forget my first day of high school. Um, I remember I was, I was brand new to the area. Uh, it was actually a very new school as well, and I knew very few people uh, in this building. And I walked in, first day, freshman, and I did the last thing any freshman wants to do. I accidentally bumped into an older student. And uh, as I did this, I was you know, terrified. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And uh, they like, snapped their head in my direction and just looked at me. And with these words that could make you just hang your head in shame, they said, excuse you. And that was my first welcome uh, to the school that morning. A few days later, I was uh, in participating in a school pep rally. It was a mandatory uh, pep rally. Everyone had to go to it. And you need to know that when I said my school was new, it really was new. And they had basically taken the two rival high schools and they had drawn students from both of these schools and put them together. Uh, so imagine, you know, doing that with Cave Spring High School and Hidden Valley High School. That's sort of what's going on here. And as we're in this pep rally, the students are greeting one another by just booing one another. Just like, boo-hoo! And I'm sitting there listening to this echoing through the gym and I'm thinking something along the lines of, yeah, high school's going to be awesome. And, uh, and, and I will say this, you know, my high school, there, was many, there were many good things uh, that happened during that time. There was much to be uh, appreciative of. And as these stories illustrate, uh, my high school community was a far cry from how things should be. And we've all experienced community like this as well. Uh, we've experienced communities uh, that were, were far from the way things should be. And sometimes those, those realities can actually make us literally uh, want to cry. Uh, we, we go to school and, and, and classmates that used to talk to us and welcome us ignore us. And maybe even talk uh, poorly about us behind our backs. We go into our workplace and, and rather than working together, we, we, just, we realize our coworkers are actually trying to undermine us or cut us down or, or talk all kinds of trash behind our back. And that's painful. And then sometimes we return home and our parents or our children or our siblings are, are speaking to us in ways that can actually make us physically wince with pain, the, the words that we're hearing. And that's, and that's not as hard as it actually can get sometimes. We, we've all experienced a community that is a far cry from how things should be. And we can sometimes, if not literally, begin to feel the tears just welling up inside of us. And friends, that's what actually makes the good news about Jesus such good news. 
Because we see that in the midst of these broken communities, we see King Jesus at work creating a very different kind of community. In the Bible, we see that King Jesus, he is creating a community, and, and that community actually could make you cry, but, but tears of joy. Look with me in verse 3 as we catch a glimpse of this community, as we kind of look through the window into this life in Romans 16. In verse 3, he says, Greet Prisca and Achilla, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. In this, in this verse, Paul greets two of his dear friends. And then in the rest of this passage, he goes on to greet people at least 20 more times, many of them by name. And look at the language Paul uses in his greetings. In verse 1, he's, he says, welcome our sister, Phoebe. In verse 14, he says, to greet the brothers. Verse 17, he says, I appeal to you, brothers. Paul looks at the Christian church, at the Christian community, and he sees his family. And then he goes on in verse 5, he says, uh, greet also my beloved Epinetus. In verse 8, he says, greet my beloved in the Lord. Verse 9, he says, greet my beloved Stachys. Verse 12, he goes on and says, greet those workers who uh, in the Lord, Tryphana and Tryphosa, greet the beloved Persis. Over and over and over again, Paul is using warm language of love, of affection. Paul loves this community of believers. He loves his family in Jesus, and he makes it abundantly clear. And so we see that King Jesus is creating a community where his leaders express love for his family. But it, but it doesn't stop with the leadership. In verse 16, we see that this is what the entire Christian community uh, should look like. Look with me there. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Don't let that make you nervous. I'm going to explain that <laughs> here. Uh, but at that time in history, uh, when Paul wrote this letter, uh, a very common greeting, a common greeting to show uh, bonds of affection and care for one another uh, was, was a kiss. Now, let me break that down for a second. This was not a romantic kiss. Uh, this was not, you know, mouth to mouth, and this wasn't between a man and a woman. This was a way a man uh, who had a, a, a friendship, who had care for, for another man, would, would greet them, and women would greet one another in a very similar way. And this actually, if you go to some places in the world now, this is a custom that's still practiced today. Uh, now, in our culture, in our setting, that's not how we greet one another. Um, and Paul, if he was you know, his concern is that we're greeting one another warmly. And so if he was talking with us today, he would say things like, hey, when you see one another, greet one another with a warm handshake. Give one another a hug. Look at each other in the eye and smile when you say hello in a way that, that they know that you care about them, that you mean it. This is the, the kind of greeting uh, that Paul uh, calls us to show to one another because Jesus is creating a community where family members show genuine care for one another. And it's beautiful when we see the people that Paul commends and greets, the people that Jesus has welcomed into his family, the different people we're to greet who Jesus is using in this mission to advance the gospel. Look with me in verse 1. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. This dear sister Phoebe, it's, it's very likely that she actually carried the letter Paul had written from Corinth uh, to the church that was in Rome. 
And hear how Paul speaks of this dear woman. He commends her. She is to be welcomed as a fellow Christian, as a, as a sister, as a member of Jesus' family, and as a woman who has served Jesus faithfully as a member of his people. And look with me in verse 3. He says, Greet Prisca and Achilla, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Prisca and Achilla were a, a, a wife and a husband who served together. They were the ones who taught Apollos more clearly the faith and how to share it with other people. And Paul says how thankful he and the churches are for this woman and for this man who have been laboring together. He shows them deep respect for the way they have served Jesus and his people. And he goes on to recognize the way that other women have served as well. Verse 6, he says, Mary, she is recognized for her hard work in the church. In verse 12, those names, many of these names may be unfamiliar to us, but Tryphana and Tryphosa and Persis, these were, these were women's names. These were the names of sisters in Christ. And they, like Mary and the others, are recognized for their service. So we see that King Jesus is creating a community where both men and women play a critical part in the work of the church. Where both genders are seen as family members, where both are treated with honor and looked on as a gift from God for their service. I know this topic can get, can get pretty tense sometimes, but for Christians who love Jesus and who are taking his word seriously, this must be the starting place for these conversations. This place of recognizing that all of us have a part to play all of us are valued. All of us are to be received with thanks and with welcome. And that is the posture that sets the tone for every other conversation that goes out of that. And friends, don't, don't miss how over and over we're seeing that it's not Paul creating this community. It's not a group of, of just really awesome people in Rome creating this community. It's, it is Jesus who is creating this community. He is the one who is making this possible. Look in verse 16. He says, greet one another, all the churches of Christ, all the churches of Christ greet you. One of my favorite uh, teachers, a man named Dan Doriani, when he reflects on this verse, he says this, it is a simple remark, referring to verse 16, but it rests on the conviction that every church has fellowship with Jesus and therefore a unity that transcends every human division. In Christ, we are one. And Paul refers to this unity we have in Jesus over and over again. Did you catch that in the greetings as we were reading through these first 16 verses? Over and over again, he greets people as in Christ. He greets people as in the Lord. It is because we belong to Jesus that we are able to greet one another warmly, that we are able to welcome and give thanks for all of our brothers and sisters that Jesus has brought into our family. I want to tell you a story here. I was once given a really wonderful opportunity uh, to uh, visit Naples, Italy. And as I was walking around the town, I'm not a big car guy. I couldn't, uh, I have other people work on my car. That is not my gifting. Uh, however, I can appreciate a really nice car when I see one. And I was walking around this town and I look and there's this, this um, it's this sports car shop that was right there in the street with these big, beautiful windows, and you could look through and see these amazing machines. And I looked at those through the window, and I thought, man, I want to get a closer look at those. Uh, so I walk over to the door, and I put my hand on the handle. I went to pull it open. It was just this like, you know, you've heard the sound. The door is not opening. 
I thought, huh, that's interesting. I've been exercising. I don't know what the deal is here. Uh, but I, I, I pulled it, and I looked up, and I realized it had nothing to do with my lack of physical fitness. It had everything to do with the very large uh, man on the other side of the door wearing a very nice suit with a shaved head who was, probably could have played in the NFL, who was holding the door and looking at me. And he and I both realized one of us is not coming in that store, and it's not that guy. And so I let go of the door, and he continued pulling it shut, and then I heard the metallic ring of the deadbolt flopping over. So he was like, click, and just locked the door. And I just looked at him, and I was like, very well. And I just kind of <laughs> walked away, because I wasn't going to do anything about that. But um, the, the greeting I received trying to go into this store was very clear. Not welcome. Not wanted. Not appreciated. And that didn't feel very good. And that was a pretty minor experience that I was able to brush off fairly quickly. But so often in our communities, that is exactly what we experience. We experience the deadbolt of community being locked against us. And the message we hear is, you're not wanted. You are not appreciated. You're not valued. And I know everyone in this room has experienced that at some point. Maybe we were rejected or shunned or disrespected because of our gender. Maybe it was our ethnicity or our background. But we have all experienced this in some way or shape, and it does not feel good. And that is what, that is what makes what Jesus is doing such good news in the face of those kinds of things. Because what Jesus has done is he has done the exact opposite. Jesus has gone to the deadbolt of community between us and God, and he has smashed it with a sledgehammer by dying on the cross for our sins. And he has thrown open the door and come out to us and greeted us warmly and said, welcome in. I love you. I have wonderful work for you to do, and I want you here. That is what Jesus has done for us. And we are able to then look with the, uh, in 1 John where the Apostle John says this, we can echo these words, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we, that you, that you, that me, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Friends, when we see the truth of what Jesus has done for us more and more clearly, as he shapes our character to be more and more like his character, that is how we are then able to turn and welcome others warmly because we have already been welcomed by Jesus. That is how we are able to give thanks and honor to all of our brothers and sisters, no matter where they are coming from, because they too belong to our friend and our King Jesus because he has welcomed the men. And so we are able as well. And I do just want to acknowledge that that many of us here, you know, we might not, we might not know quite what to make of the Bible, what, what to make of Jesus. Maybe we're, we're skeptical. And I'll say, man, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. And, and I imagine that you're also coming in with similar experiences that we have had where you have, you have seen brokenness in community. Where, and, and, and I'm just going to name this. Possibly you've seen brokenness in the church. I'd say it's probably a very good chance that you've seen that. And you've probably joined the poets and songwriters from across time and different lands and crying out like, what is the answer to this? What is the answer to all of the brokenness that we see among people in the world today? 
because we all recognize, regardless of what our starting point is, that this isn't right, that it shouldn't be this way. And perhaps you've grown jaded and and pessimistic that such a reality could ever be realized. What I would say to you is, please don't give up hope. Please don't give up hope, because there is one who is creating this kind of community that we all long for, that so many of us long to see. We've seen it in this letter. We do see it in many churches today. And, And I'll say this, even when churches fail to be this kind of community, and we do, please don't give up on Jesus. Because as, as one gentleman who I heard from Australia say at one time, you know, when, when we're seeing this brokenness, the answer isn't less Jesus. <laughs> the answer is more Jesus. The answer isn't to abandon Jesus. He's actually the solution. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that when his people fail, he, he offers us forgiveness. He gives us forgiveness. He also calls us and turns us away from those things. He would actually join you in saying, yeah, what you're seeing among my people isn't okay. I'm not okay with it either, and I'm actually at work among them to to change them. So don't give up on Jesus. He is is the one that we need. He is the one who wants this kind of community, who's creating it, and who will perfect it when he comes again. We've seen the, the beautiful community he's creating, and we also continue to see that Jesus is creating a community where together uh, we serve and, and we work hard for Jesus. Look with me in verse 6. He talks about Mary, who has worked hard for you. In verse 9, we see Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. In verse 12, those dear women who were mentioned again, Tryphana and Tryphosa and Persis, they're all mentioned as having worked hard for the Lord. In verses 3 through 4, uh, we see Prisca and her husband Achilla. They even risked their necks in ultimately serving Jesus. All of this echoes another letter that was written by Paul. Paul wrote the letter to another church in what is modern-day Turkey, the church in Ephesus. And in, verse four, he, in chapter 4, he explains that the reason Jesus has put pastors and teachers and other, other people in churches is so that these leaders can equip Christians for the work of ministry, so that all Christians can do their part in serving uh, King Jesus. That's what we see happening in this passage. We see Christians doing the work of ministry. And what that tells us, y'all, is that Christianity is not a spectator sport. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a place where we, we, cheer, we cheer on our favorite team while we watch and they sweat it out on the field. That's not Christianity. We do cheer for one another as Christians, but we do it alongside one another as teammates who are working together uh, for Jesus and for His kingdom. Jesus is a creating a community where we all work hard for him. But that's really easy to talk about and, and very easy to admire, but that's actually very hard to realize. Like, what, what is it, what will make us the kind of people who work hard for Jesus, people who are even willing to risk their necks for Jesus? That's pretty, I think we can all agree, that's pretty intense. That's a pretty big deal. What, what will make us that kind of person? I was talking with one of my friends, and one of my favorite ministries out there is, is Reformed University Fellowship, RUF. It's our campus uh, ministry uh, where pastors and others go, and they serve college students on campuses. It's, it's awesome. And uh, one of my dear friends who has been in RUF for many, many years, I was talking with him about this one day. This is when we lived in St. Louis, and he was just describing how, how campus ministry, how serving as a campus pastor was so important to him. Because some of his earliest years as a Christian had been spent on a college campus. 
this, this experience had shaped him into a person who didn't, who didn't kind of trudge onto the campus each day. I mean, he had hard days, don't get me wrong, but he didn't just trudge on there thinking, well, I guess i got to serve Jesus today. It's like, no, he loved going onto that campus because it had meant so much to him as a student, and now he longed to serve and care for these students as well. He had had an experience, he had had interactions with people that shaped him into the person that he was. And many of us have had similar situations to this, and all of us, all of us, this is the common denominator for what will make us into this kind of person. The answer is that someone has had a huge impact on our lives. Someone has shaped us to be the kind of person that wants to do this. And that someone is Jesus. And we see that because what we see is, you know, y'all, I could... I could stand here all day long and say, hey, work hard, work hard for Jesus, go out and do it. And I could get blue in the face and you guys could get tired of hearing it and be like, fine, we'll go do it. And that would work, maybe, for a little while. But we have, actually have something, a, a, a much stronger and more powerful reality to motivate us to live this kind of life. Because we have our King who has served us so well. And who has cast such a beautiful vision, a vision where God's goodwill is done on earth as it is in heaven, a vision that he is bringing into reality through his people, the, the Christian community that, that we can't help but go and work hard to love others as we have been loved and to want to be a part of this awesome thing that he is doing in the world. So I would just tell you, if, if you're struggling with that, ask Jesus to open your eyes more clearly to see how amazing he is and to give you a deep love for him. One, one person I was listening to recently said, oftentimes there's a lack of mission because there's a lack of love. We don't love God, but the good news is that he loves us, and he can actually begin to nurture this in our hearts more and more. Ask him to do that. Finally, we see that Jesus is creating a community where we are watchful and wise. Look with me in verse 17. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil." The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Here in these verses, Paul is warning the Christians at Rome to watch out for a very specific danger. He's basically saying, keep, keep your head on a swivel, is what he's saying. The danger of those who create divisions in the church, specifically by bringing in stumbling blocks or, or false teachings. False teachings that are against the truth of what they have been taught about Jesus. And you heard the response. It's actually a pretty serious one. He says, avoid them. And this warning and this command remain true for us today. Now, as we hear this, we need to be very careful because there's some ditches we could fall into as we hear this command. Uh, first one, we need to be careful uh, that just because someone disagrees with us does not mean that they are necessarily bringing in false teaching. And we saw that a few weeks ago in Romans 14. There are places we can disagree with one another. So disagreement doesn't mean they're going to be, end up causing divisions necessarily, and we need to avoid those people. So we, what that means is we need to understand the gospel well. We need to understand the gospel well enough to be able to discern, hey, is this a place where we can disagree? Or is this a place where it's like, hey, this is so far out of bounds, we, we need to be careful with it. 
The other ditch we need to avoid is, um, as one commentator uh, helpfully points out, these were not visitors to the church who were interested in Christianity and, and who actually had questions about Jesus. That's not who these folks are. And we see Jesus many, many, many times going out and pursuing people who, who other people in, in the religious community wanted nothing to do with. And that's what we're to do as well. This is not to be something where we, we, we do our huddle and get in our fortress and we just try to keep everybody else out. That's not what's going on here either. And we also need to remember that when we, when we do face these situations, that doesn't mean we cease to love these people or to pray for them. And yet, and yet, that doesn't take away the warning or the command. When we do spot verse 17 situations, serious action is called for, and Paul explains why. Look in verse 18. He says, For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. We're to, we're to watch out for these folks because they talk a good game, but they do not serve Jesus. They are not working for His glory. They are not working for the good of their neighbors. They are working for and serving themselves. And it will lead some people astray. I mean, think about it this way. This is actually good and loving guidance. Imagine you knew of a contracting company that built houses for people, and they had this amazing website, uh, their workers dress sharp, they had an incredible sales presentation where they promised work would be done early and on time and underpriced with the best materials, but you found out that they were ignoring building codes and that they were using cheap materials and that they were cutting corners also that they could save money and line their pockets and they were sending people into homes where you could go into that home and the home could collapse on top of you. How would we respond to that? Well, we would tell our friends who were looking to have a, who, looking to have a home built, avoid that company. They do not have your best interest in mind. They do not have your neighbor's interest in mind. And no one would blink an eye at saying, we need to avoid those contractors. And y'all, that is exactly what Paul is warning us about here as well. We are to be on mission. We are also to be wise because King Jesus has enemies who would seek to destroy his community to satisfy themselves. We are to continue in obedience to Jesus while remaining innocent, pure from evil, and being watchful while continuing to do good. And to kind of bring us to a close here, in the midst of this warning and call to be wise, Paul offers us assurance as well. In verse 20, he says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We have an enemy who is behind these false teachings, who is behind these divisions, who is behind these selfish behaviors. And it can be exhausting and discouraging as we face these things. But God promises that the defeat of this enemy will one day be complete, that he will bring final peace for his people. And as we wait, we can trust that God will answer Paul's prayer that the grace of Jesus will be with us through the Holy Spirit. Friends, Jesus is creating a community that is warm and welcoming, where we work hard and where we are watchful and wise. Let's ask him to continue shaping us to look more and more like this, that others may see and believe and become a part of this family. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a good and loving God who is creating an amazing community at the price of your son's life. 
And we thank you that you are shaping us to live beautiful lives as we seek to reflect your goodness as a people. Lord, help us to be more and more like this. Help us to be encouraged when we fail because you are a God of mercy and forgiveness. And help us to be encouraged that you are also a God of power who can make this more and more a reality. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as you continue to shape your people. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.